Hey everyone, Kaibo here with some quick announcements. First off, thank you so much for tuning into the show week in and week out. We really, really appreciate it as a team and we are so excited to be giving you the content that you love. Second off, we are changing the name of the show to the Method Supply Podcast. This is a good thing and we're pumped to share the story of why sometime soon. But for now, thank you again so much for your support and we hope you enjoy this week's episode. That's how you succeed. You have to fight through the, the learning obstacles and can't just quit. You can't just, you know, at, at the first difficulty, like, ah, I give up, I'm gonna change instruments. No, 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 you, you gotta work through it. Hello, and welcome to the Method Supply Podcast. Intentional conversations with incredible humans sharing their daily method. Today, Kaipo talks with music teacher Kendrick Infante on this episode, Kenny shares how he challenges his students daily to reach their potential in both their music and in their character. We hope you enjoy. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Method Supply Podcast. I am your host, Kaipo Sotelo, and I am here today with one of my oldest friends, one of the most talented musicians I know, and just an overall great, consistent human being in my life and then in the lives of so many people. His name is Kendrick Infante. What's up, Kenny? Yo, what's up, man? Glad to be here. I'm glad to have you on. We're, we're calling from the other side of the world. I'm in South Carolina. You're in Guam. Um, it's evening for me, and it's morning for you. Yeah. And it's it's been really cool because even though we are so far apart, we're able to maintain a friendship and keep in communication. And now I get to share your story um, on this platform. And I get to like really talk about what makes Kenny such a special person and not only talent-wise and relationally, but just at his core, he approaches life with such a steadiness and a faithful attitude that really I haven't seen in many other people. Kenny really exemplifies those traits in my life. And I want him to share his method um, today with you guys. So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit more than what I just said again. Sure. All right, my name is Kendrick Infante. Uh, I actually grew up here on the island of Guam my whole life. Um, I was actually born in the Philippines, though. And then my family moved here when I was a one-year-old. And I grew up going to Harvest Christian Academy, which is one of the uh, one of the main private schools here on Guam. Um, I graduated and then I ended up going to college at Bob Jones University in Greenville, South Carolina, uh, studying music education. And so I, I finished my degree there in 2016. Um, and I also met my beautiful wife, Sarah. Um, you remember that, Kaipo. Um, yeah, well, yeah I, met, I met my, my wife there in college. And then we, um, I moved back to Guam. Uh, and taught back at the school that I grew up at, which is awesome. So I'm currently on my fifth year right now teaching back at Harvest Christian wow. Academy. So it's been it's been a blast, man. So teaching music, um, can you talk about how like the road kind of led into that? Because it sounded like you came straight from high school and then went into college knowing that you wanted to do music and music education. Now you're actually doing it and you've been doing it for five years. Like what was the road like getting to that point? Sure. Yeah. So, um, I think, well, I think as a kid, like I didn't want to be a teacher, like right off the bat, I'm pretty sure I wanted to be in the NBA, but I had, <laughs> I had very low hopes. <laughs> oh boy. Thanks to many things. My height being not too tall, 
literally I can only shoot three pointers. I'm horrible at buzzer beaters. So I just, you know, <laughs> there's just so many things that didn't work out for the NBA, you know? So you know, I was like, you know what? I'll just, I'll choose a different lifestyle. Um, but growing up here at the school at Harvest, I was really involved in the music program. Um, like even just in elementary general music courses that everyone takes. I enjoyed those. And then starting in sixth grade and seventh grade, I started to get involved in, in band um, and piano and ukulele. And that's kind of when I started to have that love for music, not necessarily as far as teaching it yet, but that's when the love and the passion for music itself started. And then I just kind of saw how all my music teachers were just, you know, living out what they loved, right? They, they loved music and they loved teaching it to us. And that kind of was attractive to me. I wanted to do the same thing. I mean, fantastic. Like you took your experience that you had growing up. And I mean, I always remember you taught me my first four chords um, <laughs> on a ukulele and never forget that. Now I know how to play. And we were in a couple different groups together and like we played band together. Kenny, how many instruments do you know how to play? See, now that, that's a complicated question, man. <laughs> so as far as like I'm fluent in it, um, it's definitely piano, mm-hmm. bassoon, oboe, ukulele, guitar. Like as far as like I feel like I'm, you know, I'm skilled enough in those instruments. But sure. um, going to college, studying music education, man, you have to you have to learn the basics of almost every instrument. So I, I know how to play most instruments. I am really bad at the violin, so don't ask me to play that. <laughs> um, but everything else, I can, I can make my way through it. But I play those, those main five instruments primarily. I mean, you, t- you say the word fluent, and I think that's a very interesting way to describe playing an instrument, right? Mm-hmm. It's almost like picking up a language. Yep. And it's... I mean, the, the amount of practice, and the amount of usage you get, the actual amount of theory you have thinking about what you're going to play and the way where your fingers are going to be and how your body's position for each of these instruments are so different. But there's a tying thing that you're using it to communicate what's on that page before you. And Kenny, you have that gift, I think, of being able to communicate what is on the page, on the composition, through so many different mediums. And because you know that as a bass, you can play literally anything, like you said, <laughs> which is like super, super cool. You are not the first musician to be brought on the on the show. Um, we have had we've had Charlie, who's who is a, a music composer for film. He scores films. Um, we had a rapper, Dill, um, and now we have a music teacher. So nice, I want man. you to compare and contrast your career as a music teacher with that of say like a music scorer or a rapper, like a sure. artist, like how, what part of music made that route attractive being an educator? Yeah. So that's a good question, actually. So the way I look at it is basically, uh, I'm going to give you a story here. So my first year of teaching on Guam, I'm here at Harvest. They asked me to teach pre-algebra for seventh graders. Um, <laughs> so that, that is not my major, right? But um, I was, Math was one of my my better subjects in school growing up. So I think that's why they asked me. Um, And this is where, like, for me, pre-algebra was so easy. Like, I didn't really struggle with it at all. But then trying to relay that information to seventh graders who have no idea what this is, 
man, that, that is so frustrating, right? Because like for me, I understand how to do it. And it's, it's easy. But for them, they're like, what is that? How, how can you subtract a negative number? What, you know, what does that mean? And I kind of view music like that too. So for me, I could have gone the route of performing, right? So in, in the math world, being a mathematician, in the music world, being a performer, I could have done that. But I, I wanted to, to be the one to instill the desire of learning music to these young students. I didn't want to just be the one, you know, like producing music. And I'm not saying that's bad. Um, I actually enjoy performing a little bit, but I just, I saw that, I saw that um, the opportunity to teach young ones um, to, to love music and to communicate through music. And I just couldn't pass that up. So that's why I, I wanted to pursue music education. And thankfully I'm here right now. So, yeah. So you see the value in the, the medium of music and the expression of playing sounds and, and really doing something outside of your physical body. Cause I mean, to have music aside from singing or percussion, if you're hitting something like mm-hmm. you need a, a conduit to amplify your voice or your breath or your, what you touch with your fingertips. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, why personally was that attractive to you enough to share? Like, what was your experience that really, really made it worth pursuing and sharing? Sure. Yeah, I think also it's not just teaching music um, that got my attention because when I was a kid, um, my music teachers uh, invested in me outside of the music classroom. It wasn't just, hey, this is how you play the oboe and then go home like, oh, see you tomorrow. Um, There are many times where my teachers would come to my recitals they would come to my, my sporting events. They would see me, you know, at the grocery store, at the mall, and they can carry on a conversation outside of the classroom. And I saw that as an awesome opportunity to kind of, you know, hit, hit two birds with one stone. You know, you can, you can teach someone in the classroom and you can also be their mentor inside and outside of the classroom. And that's really what I wanted to do. I wanted to have that access um, to these students um, and then hopefully like my, my classroom and my teaching style can kind of open them up to sharing a little bit more of their story and I can be a listener to their story and just walk through things and just show them you know how to enjoy music and how to how to communicate through it. So that parallels sort of what you do music from the page to sound you're you're using the the medium of being their instructor and the end goal is say, Hey, they want to learn music, but along the road, it's like, it's like they're on your basketball team or you're there, they're under your wing and you get to actually like through the process of like the frustrations and the joys of making music happen and, and failing a little bit, you're able to impact these kids lives and actually mm-hmm. speak into them because I mean, you spend so much time with them. Kenny, how many students have you taught, like, about, you know? Oh, uh, do, you have a, do you have an estimate? Uh, let's just see. Uh, maybe, so in one school year, I teach all of sixth grade. That's about 75 mm-hmm. students. And then I teach all of seventh grade, another 75, so 150. I mean, if I had to guess, maybe in one school year, I teach uh, maybe 300 students. And Sheesh. then you count that over span of five years. So yeah, it's it's a lot. 
<laughs> it's quite a bit. And there's some overlap. I mean, you get some students like from grade to grade, but I yes, mean, yes. that is an incredible amount of influence. It is said that one coach can impact the lives of 10 people in one season than most get to impact one person in their lifetime. Yeah. And it's just really interesting, like that, that perspective. Those students are all like learning from you in some respect. Maybe some aren't musically inclined and they're just kind of doing it for fun and exploring it, but you get to guide them through that. Mm-hmm. And if you make a good experience for them, you can really make a big impact in their lives. And that's a lot to be said with that as a whole, even in adult relationships, right? Yeah. It's like, are you willing to show and give your skill up and then allow that to amplify a relationship to come around that and to cultivate it and to push each other. I think there's a lot to be said about that. And can you do that so well in your relationships outside of music? Um, I'm obviously been on the recipient end of it. So thank you for that. Um, So let's go ahead and pivot the conversation just a little bit. We're going to start talking about how you spend your day. Think about like when you wake up in the morning and then you kind of carry out your day. Are there any methods or routines that you do to kind of keep you grounded within your system of thinking? Yeah. So there's one of the routines that, I mean, I don't do enough of, um, but I really try to uh, read my Bible every day. Mm -hmm. Um, That's probably one of my most fundamental you know, beliefs, fundamental rocks of why I do what I do. Um, but even if I, uh, I'm i not able to get to the to read the Bible that day, um, I usually pray as much as I can, uh, whether it's, you know, sitting down on the couch, you know, before everything starts or on my way to my class. You know, I just try to keep that in my mind um, because honestly, I, I can't do what I do without God. I really can't. Um, Another thing is, is so throughout my day, no matter where I'm teaching or if I'm in my classroom or if I'm in my office, I always try to tell myself to maintain a positive outlook. Um, I think if you ask anyone like about me, they, they would say that about me uh, because, you know, I always assume the best of either of people or of circumstances. I just try to see, you know, the bigger picture and doing that it really helps me, you know, make it through my day so that if anything comes up in the day, right, anything bad, anything uncomfortable, anything that you didn't want to happen, you know, you can still move on. You can use that as fuel, you know, to keep going, um, to keep investing, to keep, you know, ministering, to keep serving wherever you are. Um, But that's really helped me keeping a positive outlook on life. So break down that idea real quick so a positive outlook in what regard because i mean you you expressed a little bit about how teaching can be frustrating especially like with the process there are always growing pains but why is that so important specifically like with your students yeah so i think you know in order to have success there has to be some failure you can't it's not just going to be given to you overnight um if you ask any professional athlete they had some stumbling blocks on the way to where they are now. You ask any musician that's a performer, they had some difficulties on the way up there, right? Basically, every occupation, every career, every profession, there is some sort of you know, obstacle you have to overcome to become successful in that. So for my students, 
I'm not just going to make it easy for them. That, that wouldn't be teaching them, right? That would be like spoon feeding them. But I don't want that to happen. Um, one of the things in college that our professors always told us is our goal is to, is to make these students independent learners to the point where they can teach others. You know, I, I bet it's really awesome for my teachers or for, for my coworkers here at Harvest to see that a student they taught is now teaching alongside with them, right? Mm. So that's one of the things that I try to keep in mind. So if my student is like, you know what, Mr. Fonte, I can't do this. You know, this is, this is too hard. Why, why do we need this? Are we going to ever use this? But instead of like focusing on the actual you know, subject matter that they're struggling with, I try to point them back to the big picture. I'm like, you know what? You are in this class, in this school year, you know, and maybe you're seventh graders, you know, so you have a few more years left in high school. You know, it's not just you have to learn this music concept. Well, I'm trying to build, you know, discipline in you. I'm trying to build habits of working hard, habits of not giving up. So there's so much more than the actual content. Um, part of teaching is you, you're helping build character in these students. And those are the things that those students will remember one day when they look back. You know, they might not remember what the capital of a certain country is, but they'll remember when a teacher pushed them and challenge them to an uncomfortable spot to make them succeed, to make them better. That was really well put. I, I completely agree in the sense when you're teaching someone, in, in the hero's journey, it's a literary device, but in the, the end part of a hero's journey is to return the boon. The boon is that thing that gets them over the top, hmm. think like the magic sword or uh, in the Avengers movies, the, the gauntlet. Mm -hmm. um, and like it overcomes them and brings them all together. Um, and then there comes a point where that hero then returns it and invests in the next generation. Um, the, I think the art form is called pedagogy. Is that right? That's correct. Like yeah, piano, that's correct. Piano pedagogy or teaching. Yep. For a pedagogical principle, um, what do you think are the most important ones? Um, like the ones that actually in your experience have helped stick with principles and skills and everything in your students? Oh man, that's a, that's a good question. You know, part of it is when you're a teacher, you're, you're consistently learning, right? You're never going to be like, Oh, I made it. I'm the best teacher in the world. No, you got to um, continually learn. Um, but as far as actual principles, um, one of the things that um, my principles here on Guam have reminded me is, it's not about the content, it's about the student. Um, I'm not sure if that lines up with what you're asking, but that's definitely one of the things that um, I try to remember and I try to live out. Mm -hmm. You know, I, sometimes yeah. I can get so caught up in, hey, this is a 16th note, get it. Um, <laughs> but if, if I'm not trying to, re if I'm not reaching out to the student, if I didn't make that connection, then it's not going to, you know, it's not, not going to stick. So that's one of the things, you know, make sure you treat your students as real people not just mm. students that are listening ears. So yeah, that's what I would say is probably one of the more important principles uh, to remember um, when teaching. So I mean, when when it comes down to it, it sounds like the most important thing is that that kid believes in you mm -hmm. and kind of believes in themselves a little bit. And you have to inspire that confidence in the person that you're, I guess, teaching, right? Yeah. Um, it, you, you mentioned a little bit about how important it is to like think about the student in the context of a school year. Hey, it's like for right now, just think about what you're doing in the moment, right? Mm -hmm. I know 
in today's context, everyone's looking forward and backward and everywhere, but where we are right now, we're always on our phones. Yeah. We're not looking at what is in front of us. It's like trying to trying to play the last the last act of a whole musical when you haven't even played the first note. Exactly. As a teacher, you kind of have to balance that perspective because you see the big picture. You see it all in a big context. Mm -hmm. But the students in your band or in your choir, they see only what's in front of them. How can you best frame that mind of thinking to a student that maybe isn't getting it? Sure. Yeah, that's a good question. So... I would use the Sixers slogan of trust the process, right? Mm. Um, because a lot of things, a lot of times in my classes, especially for ukulele, the first few days of class, I don't do a lot of um, teaching like hands-on. I give them a couple things to kind of, you know, remember and practice like what I taught you, uh, those four chords. But I use my class time to actually show them videos of professionals. Um, show them videos of you know the best of the best uke players and honestly watching their faces when they see these guys it's awesome right like like they're they're thinking in their minds you know what i want to be like that or you know what i can do this and mm -hmm. then that that is probably one of the most um common ways that i try to reach out to those students that aren't really getting it and don't really want to get it i just try to find those successful people in that field and just encourage them with those examples and then of course i hope that i'm an example myself you know mm -hmm. i i literally sat in their desks like literally sat in their mm -hmm. desks um and if i could do it they could do it and that's that's part of the reason why i always try to remember the big picture and try to point them to that how do you define success for your students then success um I think is the ability, the ability to apply what they learn. So if they can get a hundred percent on a test, awesome, right? Like good for them. But you know, if I ask them to perform a certain technique and they can describe it to me super well, but they can't perform it, then that's not success. You know, they, they really have to understand and apply it. Um, and that's just how it is with every profession, right? It's not all head knowledge. If it was all head knowledge, then most of us would really struggle in life. Um, a lot of it is you got to put it to practice. You got to put it to practice. You got to spend time, you know, practicing that skill. That's why we emphasize practice at home so often. Um, that's how you succeed. You have to fight through the, the learning obstacles and you have to fight through it. You can't just quit. You can't just, you know, at, at the first difficulty, like, oh, I give up. I'm going to change instruments. No, no, no. You got, you got to work through it. You got to work through it if you really don't want to be successful, if you really want to be like those professionals I showed you earlier. That's actually amazing. So you, you reframe success as not so much, hey, you can play this note, like I can get 100 on a test, but rather you shift their thinking into, hey, you want to be proficient. You want to be able to not only repeat back what I said, but play it in any way that you want. Like, isn't that the dream? Like when a kid can come back and be like, hey, Mr. Infante, check this out. Like, and they play the same music just like in their own way because they've understood the theory of it. And now they can bend that in however artistic way that they want. Yeah. And I think that's the most beautiful part of music is that you can have the same notes, you can have the same chords, you get the same key signature, everything. But if you 
have the knowledge, you can break all those rules, put them back together, and you have something new every single time. Exactly. And that is a really great de definition of success. And I think you've achieved that personally from my experience seeing you um, playing with music and whatnot. Um, but I think it's really cool that you're able to show that to your students. Cause it's not about the grade. It's about the mastery of the skill. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's a lot to be said about reframing the minds of kids and adults and honestly, people like us, Yeah, you know, like let's, let's get really good at what we do rather than like, I need to climb to this amount and then I'll be happy. Exactly. Like just be in yeah. love with that process. Trust that process. I, I love that, man. Yeah. So, um, I did want to ask you though, I mean, through all these like sort of trials you have, I mean, like you said you teach middle school, like props yeah. to you. Like that sounds like a, a nightmare <laughs> in and of itself. Um, just like that age group, they're just figuring everything out. They got all these hormones rushing through their bodies. They don't know how to think straight. They just say stuff without thinking. And man, we were all there, yeah. but I would not want to be there again. <laughs> what makes teaching your students in the context you are now worthwhile to you? Yeah, that's a good question. I think part of it is what you said. You know, we were we were there, right? Hmm. Um, and teachers gave us a chance. Teachers invested in us, so why can't we give that back, right? So, and you know, like you said, middle school is a whole different ball game. I always tell people you got to be a different kind of person to teach middle school. Mm -hmm. um, part of it is understanding. That's probably one of the biggest words as far as uh, learning how to teach students is you got to know where they're coming from. Um, you know, ideally you'd like every student to have the same high achieving skill and comprehension, but that's not real life. You know, people come from different backgrounds. These students come from a variety of homes, a variety of cultures. And that's the beauty of the classroom, right? You get like a melting pot of so much variety and diversity in there. And it's just cool to give back to them. It's cool to have a little piece in mentorship in their lives. Of course, they have their parents. You know, they have their grandparents, their aunties and uncles. But I mean, I don't. I don't know for you, but for me, I can think back to many teachers that you know invested in me. Maybe not like a specific circumstance or specific occurrence, but I remember them so well because of how much they cared for me. I knew I can trust them. I knew they loved me, and I want that for my students. I want them to grow up one day, you know, when, when they're our age and look back, you know what, Mr. Fonte really cared for us back then. You know, that's why he was so hard on us to make us a little better, make us better in our skill and just overall to build character. And I, I hope and pray that my students see that they might not see it right away. Um, but that one day they see the value of why, um, I'm really approachable to them, but at the same time, I really challenge them. To go and actually be good at what you do, you need to go through those challenges and to have someone guiding you through them rather than yeah. them just like literally doing it on their own. Like that, that relationship is invaluable and they'll keep that for the rest of their lives, man. Like yeah. I, I truly think, I mean, just based on the students I have interacted with when I visited your classroom and just knowing you as a person, you are the type that makes lasting impacts and it's through music. Yes. But through so much more than that, man. You're doing so such such great things. Um, we we're at the end of our podcast right now, and we've had so much great talk. I love the bits about how to actually ground, rubber meet the road, 
go and talk to someone who maybe is from a different background of you. That's essentially what teaching is. Someone who is completely different from you. You're trying to get your idea across to them and hopefully they stick it, stick with it. Mm -hmm. Um, What is one word to describe your journey as a teacher and the journey that you're on as a career? Yeah, I, I had a hard time thinking about that. Um, because I know people ask you all the time, okay, how, what's one word to describe, you know, what you do. And it's hard to summarize in one word, you know, it it really is, but if I had to pick one word, um, I choose open-minded and that's probably not the word that most people would choose. But the reason why I choose that is like I said before, you know, you have no idea where your students come from. You have no idea what they've learned in the past, you know, unless you've taught them. But for the most part, if they're a brand new student, you have no idea where they're coming from. So you need to have an open mind. You need to think of, okay, how can I reach this student with my content? It's not going to be the same for every student. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, of course, you want to treat every student fairly, but you have to make sure that they're actually getting the content, that the content is reaching to them. So that's why I chose the word open-minded. You know, you want to go through every new day of school thinking it's a clean slate, you know, fresh start. Um, and that goes back to having that positive outlook on life, um, making sure that, you know what, every person is here for a reason. You know, you have a chance to reach out to them and you got to love them. You got to make sure they can trust you. And that's honestly, that's, that's why I love teaching. That was music teacher Kendrick Infante sharing his method on how to shape and teach those around us. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Method Supply Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, don't forget to share and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite streaming service. That's all for now, but as always, we challenge you to find, live, and share your method today. See you next time.